This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. The last uh, few weeks we've been in a series that we've called Baggage. Um, the, the real idea is that we all have stuff that's been a part of our journey up until now that should not be a part of our journey. Okay? We have stuff that's been a part of the journey up until now that should not be a part of the journey. In the first week, we looked at the fact that that stuff that's in our lives is really based on a lie. It, it's based on the fact that we have embraced a lie We've made that lie truth to us, and that lie has imprisoned us into what the Bible calls a stronghold. And, and it has kept us into a pattern of thinking, a pattern of behavior. It has kept us locked into that. But if the, if the problem is a lie, then the answer is going to be the truth. And so we spent the last three weeks looking at what God's answer is to those baggages that we've addressed. And last week, we really got to that one bag that we, we all carry that we can't get rid of. That one thing that we've carried through life that as we've experienced freedom, that bag tends to go with us. It tends to take that next step. It feels a little bit like this guy that went into a pet store one time. And he, he went in and he was just kind of browsing. I don't know if y'all ever go into pet stores and look at the cats and think, God, that'd be cute to take it home, but no. Um, right, because that's what we do when we go in pet stores. We look at it and think, no, no, and then we walk out. And so this guy's just walking around. And in the back, there's a parrot. And, and do y'all know how long parrots live? Like, if that is a long-term investment, Right. Especially if you get the wrong one. Apparently this guy this, that owns the shop had got the wrong parrot because he called this guy um, over. And the parrot goes, goes, hey. And the guy looks around. He's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come here. So the guy walks over to the parrot and the parrot looks at him and goes, you're worthless. You're ugly. I can't believe he let you in this store. And the owner walked out of the back and heard the parrot talk and said, Stop doing that. He pulled the parrot out, started slapping him, pulled some of his feathers out, put him back in the... He said, Man, I told him not to do that all the time. So he walked on. The guy walks out and leaves. A few weeks later, he's at the shopping mall shopping again. He walks in the same pet store. And this time the owner's out, but the parrot calls him, Hey, you! Come back here! The guy walks back there. Parrot looks at him and goes, you know. <laughs> right? That's, that's where some of our baggage has been, right? We just know. We know it's there. Today we're going to tackle what I believe to be the most pivotal topic that I could talk about in this course of, of discussions. Um, it's a message that I have never sat in the seat and heard someone preach before. Because we talk a lot about how to get free, but not very much about how to stay free. 
And so today we're going to address that question. I, I'm, I'm free. I've experienced a move of God. God came in and did something in my life. Now, now what do I do to keep this? What is my next step? What needs to happen if I'm going to keep this? And I want to go to a story that Jesus tells in Luke 11. This is one of those stories in the Bible that I'm glad it's in the Bible because it makes me go, I don't understand all this stuff. So read along with me. Luke 11, 24 through 26. This is Jesus speaking. When an evil spirit leaves a person, and some of y'all going, are you saying I'm demon possessed right now? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it, goes, it goes into the desert searching for rest. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the de desert looking for us. And when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person that I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and clean. And for many of us, that's where we are right now. God showed you, here's that bag. This is what it takes to drop it. And you went, okay. All swept and clean. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. <clears throat> And they all enter the person and live there so that the person is worse off than before. Now, let's just break down what Jesus tells us in this moment. That there's a guy who was struggling with an issue of demonic oppression. That there is something going on in his life. He's got some baggage and it's a demon, right? He's got, that's a pretty bad bag to be carrying around. And he experiences freedom. The demon is removed and leaves, but comes back with seven more. You see, it's important to understand that Jesus is telling us there's a guy who gets set free and because he does not handle his freedom the right way, he ends up worse off at the end of the journey because of his mistake in the middle. This is in your notes. The goal of the gospel is not momentary comfort, but lasting transformation. The goal of the gospel is not momentary comfort, but lasting transformation. And many of us become transfixed on that moment of comfort. I have carried this back for so long. It is heavy. It's killing me. So what can I do to get rid of it for just a moment in the gospel is about lasting transformation. There's a cycle that I want to take a moment and, and expose to you. As you look around the world, as you look in your life, even when you look at our country 
and where our nation is, you're going to see that this is at work. But before we do that, let me just plant this idea that God doesn't just want to set you free. As Jesus tells that story, we see that the heart of God is to keep you free. God just doesn't want to have that moment of freedom. God wants to keep you free. So let's look at this cycle of freedom. The first thing that happens is that we gain freedom. It's in your notes. It's the first thing that happens. That we're struggling with something and we, we work and we endeavor and we trust God and God comes in and performs a miracle and there is freedom. Let's step back a couple hundred years that there is oppression and, and there is taxation without representation. And so the colonies declare their independence from England and fight to gain their freedom. Right? And that leads to the second step in the cycle. And that step is prosperity. That freedom inevitably will lead to prosperity. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily financial prosperity, but there is going to be a prosperous season following the moment that freedom is introduced. Let's think about that in our country. The American Revolution, and then we have the growth of the colonies. We have the epic fight of a civil war and the freedom of all men. And then we have the growth and development of an industrialized nation. Then enter into the, six, the 50s and 60s and we enter into the season in our country where we begin to fight for equal rights of free for all groups that are represented in what happens. Then in the later part of that century, our country begins to explode economically. Freedom will lead to a time of prosperity. But in the wake of prosperity, the way that we deal with that moment typically leads us back to bondage. Because what happens in the middle of prosperity? Most of us either get arrogant or complacent. We get arrogant because we think that we deserved it. We think that we earned it. We think that whatever it was caused it. Or we get complacent because what we're experiencing, we forget the cost that was associated with gaining that freedom. Do y'all see that today? Do y'all see that in the middle of our culture right now? In the world that we live in? That arrogance and complacency? The lack of understanding the cost that was associated to gain the freedom that we all experience right now. 
And what my message for you today is to hopefully put some things in place in our hearts that can keep us from repeating that cycle. A, a great example for that out of the scriptures is found in the book of Galatians. Paul writes to the church in Galatia this great great dissertation of theology and presentation of freedom. Do you understand what was going on there though? Here's what was going on. The church in Galatia was founded by Paul. And here he is bringing this message of hope and reconciliation to God. And there's a, a, a portion of Jewish folks that are there that have accepted Jesus as the Messiah and they have now uh, taken that step to believe in him and trust in him. And they're proclaiming the gospel, but they're sticking to all the laws that were a part of being a good Jew. And so the central issue is that when people came in who weren't a part of the Jewish faith that were not Hebrews, they were making the men get circumcised. <laughs> That, I'm going to be honest with you. If that was on the membership covenant, I'm probably not signing that one. Right. To join this church, you've got to do what? Uh-uh. No way in the world. Y'all keep that. And so Paul writes this book to them because here they have experienced the freedom of Christ. Their church has grown. They've experienced the prosperity of the freedom that God's spirit has brought in the grace that God has lavishly given to them. But now they're living with an arrogance that's saying everybody else has to be just like us. And so Paul writes this in Galatians 5.1. So Christ has really set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery again. Christ has set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free. So what does it take to stay free? What does it take to stay free? The first thing in your notes today it's the attitude of humility. The attitude of humility. I love this quote from a, a pastor that I love and our church has been blessed because of him. A man on his face can't fall very far. See, when we understand our position in front of God. It does not produce arrogance or entitlement. It simply produces humility. Because I recognize that I really don't deserve anything He's given me. I haven't done anything to earn this. It's not because I'm better than somebody else.
simply because God is great. And he chose to love me. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And in his good time, he will honor you. Humble yourself. James Robinson puts it this way. It's either humility or humiliation. It's either humility or humiliation in front of God. Peter says to humble ourselves, to make an active decision to choose to be humble. It's not something that God's going to flood all over you and make you do. It's a choice that we make before a righteous, loving, all-powerful God to be humble. And one of the best examples of this in all of Scripture is a man that God said was a man after his own heart. When we started our church, we did so by examining the life of David. And here's, here's what you see in his life. He, he blows it all the time. He doesn't even get it right. And so in Psalm 51, in this moment when David as king has committed almost in the same act, adultery, murder, rebellion against a directive from God, David, in processing his failure, writes this in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Then in verse 17, it says this. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. The sacrifice that God wants is for us to be humble before him. To be broken before him. To be aware of his position and our position. And if we're going to deal with what it takes to stay free, the first thing that we're going to have to do is to be humble. We're going to have to choose to be humble. The second thing that we're going to have to be is to be honest. Is to be honest. Because the truth is, is that staying free doesn't mean 
that that thing that you have always failed with is never going to be a part of your life again. It doesn't mean that if you struggled with an addiction to shopping, you're not going to one day buy something that you shouldn't have. It doesn't mean that that one moment. See, because read this verse out of Proverbs 24. A righteous, the righteous fall seven times. They rise again. The righteous falls seven times. They rise again, but the wicked stumble and then calamity strikes. You see, the righteousness of God propels us to get back up. But we're going to have to live a life that's honest. If we're ever going to take that freedom and sustain it. Last week, I told you that you are going to need to have people in your life that can know your issues. People that can know all about what's going on in your life. Read this, 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. That's two statements back to back that leverages that all of us need to have somebody that we're confessing to. That we need to be confessing our sins. And if you say you have no, no sins, then you're just basically calling God a liar. Right? That's what we need to be doing. And we need, and, and that word, I love the, the, the imagery of the Greek language that's used in that first part when it says if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. That passage that's used for cleanse us and purify us would actually have referred to how gold was treated in a refining process. That it was heated until all of the impurities would rise to the top of the gold and it could be scooped out. You see, it's tough to confess our sins. It's tough to have that person that we go, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Not, not doing what I'm supposed to. I know God's called me and asked me to walk away from this situation, that person, this relationship, and I'm not doing it. And I need someone to know that and be a part of my life. That's why we put small groups in place. That's why we invited you to be a part of that. Those of you that are a part of those right now, you're experiencing that together. James 5.16 says this, that confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. And many of us have in the back of our minds. The fear that if we really let people know what's going on inside, they're going to reject us reminds me of a story I heard about a group of pastors that got together 
to be accountable to one another. They were sitting there and they had gotten to know each other by now and they were uh, in this moment when they were just being very vulnerable. One of the pastors looked at the other ones and said, hey guys, I just, I want to I wanna tell you because nobody except my wife knows this. I have a gambling problem. I, I take a lot of the money in our family and, and on weekends I go out and I go gambling. And uh, nobody knows. It's just one of those things. And so would you keep me accountable? Would you pray for me? Would you just be there so that I could call? Next pastor said, well, I mean, if we're just going to get honest, uh, I struggle with lust. For years, it's been women. And there's been times that I've cheated on my wife and had relationships that were outside of our marriage. Uh, he goes, I would... I would love to have the kind of relationship that I could share that kind of stuff with you guys and you could be there if I was struggling. There's only one other guy in the meeting. They looked at him, you know, like, well, it's your turn now. And he looked back at them and said, guys, I really struggle with gossiping and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> That's a great joke, isn't it? Oh, man. And some of us feel that way, right? We feel like, I don't want to do that. All y'all are going to do is go tell somebody. But when we really love somebody, when we really have encountered them and we, we live in that, that relationship with them, the capacity that we have to confess our sins to them and to experience forgiveness in community is a very powerful, very powerful thing. And the last thing, that I want us to look at today. The last thing is this. The Holy Spirit. Humility. Honesty. And the Holy Spirit. To tell you that you're simply going to stay free. Because you have the willpower to stay free. Is a straight up lie. Because we know that the heart is deceitful. That we live in a broken and fallen world. Read this verse out of Romans 8, 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. Romans 8, 9. You see, before we knew Christ... Things were broken. And what we were inclined to do, what was the first in the checklist of things I'm going to do when that happened was sinful. But now God has come in and completely reconstructed us when we accept Jesus. And now I can look at God and God has rewired me into something new. And as a believer and follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
We dealt with that last week. But we need God to be a part of our lives. We need to encounter the Holy Spirit to be enabled by the Holy Spirit, empowered by him as we walk through life. Maybe one of the best long-term examples of this is found in the example of Jacob. Jacob is this guy who, I mean, even his name really means to, is supplanter or trickster, or whatever you want to call him. But I'd like to read this passage out of Genesis. I'm just going to read it with you on the screen. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, in the scripture, it's important to understand that the man who's showed up to wrestle with Jacob in the middle of the night is not really a man at all. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. When the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This moment, this guy who really up until this point in his life has been nothing but a trickster, comes face to face with Jesus. And I don't know what it's like to wrestle Jesus, but I'm going to imagine it's pretty tough. All right? And all throughout the night, Jacob wrestles this man because it was his intention in many of his relationships to take, to take, and to take. And the guy in the middle of the night touches his hip and then changes his name. This is not in your notes, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Some of you need to understand that your greatest wound is a pointer to your greatest potential. That the greatest wound that you've experienced in your life points to where your greatest potential lies. Because when Jacob walked out of that meeting with God, from that point on in his life, he limped. But he did it with a new name. God changed his name to Israel, which is a sacred, holy name. So look at this. Psalm 1611, you have 
made known to me the path of life. You will find me with joy in your presence. Keep that verse up there. We have intentionally worked today to kind of shorten the message so that we can spend a little bit more time in worship at the end of our service today. Because I want you to have an opportunity this morning with our church to spend time and to let God speak to us, to encounter him, to be encouraged, to be challenged. Some of us need to simply be found in God's presence today. So in just a few minutes after we receive our offering, we're going to sing together. As we do that, let's pray and prepare our hearts. God, we want to thank you that you care about us so much that you don't just want to set us free. You want to help us stay free. And so today, God, do it. Do that for your good, for your glory, for your name, for your renown. God, if there's anyone that's here today that has never experienced that moment of freedom that is attached to knowing God and re relinquishing our lives to you, if there's anyone that's in this room today that has experienced utter failure and is unwilling to let it go and be yours, Right now, would you cause them to just release that? God, for those people who have been running for you, God, been running away, just let them be honest in this moment. So if nobody looking around real quick today, real quick, everybody be still. If you say today, You know what? I've never, ever done that. I've never making that, made that step to, to take that step and say, Jesus, you got it all, all of me, all my life. It's all yours. I'm tired of running. I'm ready to be honest and humble in front of you. I'm ready to let go of trying to be in control. that's you right now would you raise your hand if that's you nobody looking around everybody still would you raise your hand see those anybody else God, thank you for those people who have responded. We want to ask that all, in all of our hearts, God, as you deliver us and change us, God, would you continue to keep us free by your great power. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.